Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit, and Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told them the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome. And let me tell you, today is a special episode. We have so much to get to after UFC 259. Makhlchev, the upset in the main event, a controversial finish at 135, and so much more. So let's waste no time. I want to get right into it, beginning with the immediate thoughts I gave after the main event this past Saturday night. There was people talking about Adesanya just can't do it at 205 pounds. And I thought that that was a fascinating conclusion to come to. And I would encourage you to take a deep breath and not repeat that in public where you want to be taken with a credible tone. Israel Adesanya, with no experience and grossly undersized, just went 25 minutes with Jan Blahovich. To put that in perspective for you, that is 23 minutes more than Dominic Reyes went with Jan Blahovich, and it is four rounds more than former world champion Luke Rockholt went with Jan Blahovich. You're not questioning those guys, and neither am I, but to act as though you should question Adesanya, who, by the way, only lost one position. 
Rounds four and five were the only two rounds that were very clear. When when that went to Bruce Buffer and it went to the decision, the talk going through everybody, including your guys' living rooms, was simply, did Adesanya bank the first three? Is Adesanya about to become world champion? None of us knew. The answer was no. It turned out no, it was not. But rounds four and five were the only ones that were clear, but they were rinse and repeat. It was the same thing. Double leg to hold a guy there. Bohovich did a very good job. Adesanya was oversized. That's what happened. That's still one position. And to make believe as though a guy couldn't grow into it, because don't forget, there was a real experiment here. Adesanya never wanted to let go of 185. He made that very clear from the beginning. And we didn't know was that going to be enough. Now, the odds makers put him at a three-to-one favorite. A lot of the smarter bettors go, hey, listen, it's just too much to bite off. And they made some money on Adesanya tonight. But it was an experiment because we haven't seen an athlete who's been given a substantial amount of time, knows that he's moving into a weight class, who didn't try to bulk into that weight class. Adesanya was the first to say, no, I'm going to show up the smaller guy. I'm just going to beat him anyway. And by the way, that strategy wasn't all that bad. What happened, particularly if you watch the very first round, is Adesanya came out and he started touching Jan Blahovich, and Blahovich was hesitant. Blahovich was very respectful. He had a fear of Adesanya. What started to happen around four and a half minutes and was very clear by seven minutes is Blahovich had lost the fear. He realized the guy is a little small and he can hit me, but he can't hurt me the way I thought he could. So then Blahovich started to open up and then Adesanya started to feel that power. It was a very clear fight as they handed power back and forth. It was also a very competitive fight. Two judges brought this to a 10 Eight round for Blahovich. Some of the wildest math I've ever seen. Two, two judges brought this to a 10-8 round, okay? Bob Arum does not do as much business in Nevada as Dana White. Bob Arum referred to Bob Bennett, the executive director, as Director Doolittle. And it's just one of these very interesting things where there seems to be a consistency in Nevada that particularly if you don't screw up the fight, It doesn't matter if you screwed up the rounds. Now, this is what I'm seeing from the outside. From the outside, if the fight decision goes the way that the masses thought it would, it doesn't matter how bad you got the rounds or how flip-flopped you got them, right? Dominic Cruz's fight, one judge gives Dominic every round. Another judge gives the whole fight to his opponent, just by example. But when you have a 10-8 round, guys, and this is not the definition, okay? I'm going to say this to you for an expert to the layman because I know it's something you'll understand. A 10-8 round in large part is a judge's way to supersede a mistake made by the referee. If the fight should have been stopped and the referee failed to stop it, the judge will then correct that by giving it a 10-8 round or at a minimum within that round, it was eligible to be stopped for TKO. That is the only time you have a 10-8 round. If the round at some point was eligible for the ref to step in and stop it, but didn't, the judge will then correct that after the fact. That is not the interpretation, but if you go off of that, you will understand what a 10-8 is. You have to get your ass kicked and at some point be eligible for stoppage, which simply didn't happen. And the Associated Boxing Commission agrees with me. And the state of Nevada seems to allow different interpretations without review. It's simply not good business to get in the wheelhouse of the commission. It just would make no sense. There's no way to win. There's nothing that's going to happen. Chairman Marinelli's not going to do anything except text somebody and hope they write a nice piece, which is quite literally what he will do when he sees this. And Bob Bennett has never even thought about reviewing any of these scores, or Peter Yawn cheating, allegedly a cornerman telling him to do it, and a referee not stepping in and making a call. He will never even thought he should have reviewed that until he heard me say it now. He's going, what, is that my job? None of us are overly upset. It's one of these things, though, when you have the Bob Aarons of the world publicly coming out and speaking about it, so you have notice, right? When there's mistakes made and you go, look, let's get the personnel together. It's human beings. You kick the can. That works. You do that on one Saturday. You kick the can to the next Saturday. This same thing has been happening since 2017. 
You can tie all of the problems with the Nevada State Athletic Commission, by the way, which I have no, I really don't give a damn. I, I truly don't. It's just one of these things that you can't tell the story of the fight and act as though there's an inconsistency with judges or referees or personnel because these guys operate all over the place and every other commission seems to get a handle on them except for Nevada. That's the only consistency, which is why I bring it up. But you can tie it into the time Pat Lundvall and Bill Brady left. There was never a complaint. There was never a pundit speaking about until that. I don't know what kind of leadership those two offered. I can just tell you it was very clear that they offered very clear leadership. And I don't know what changed as, as they decided to retire and go do other things with their time. I don't know. I can just tell you, you can date it back to that week. And all that any of us want from Nevada, all any of us want is an open forum to discuss these things. We would openly come in, hat in hand, no gripe. No cross to bear. And just say, hey, guys, has the interpretation of a 10-8 changed? Because your bylaws say you go by the Associated Boxing Commission, who I spoke to 15 minutes ago. But you're not going in line with what the parameters are to any reasonable interpretation. That's why we ask the question. Have you broken with the Associated Boxing Commission, which your bylaws say you have it, or... Is there something going on here? Just so we can explain it to the audience clearly. That's not unreasonable. That's not unreasonable. Bob Arum coming out and calling Bob Bennett, Commissioner Doolittle, is way, way more aggressive than what I'm being. I'm just asking a question open to the fact that I could be wrong. I am very open to the fact that they might have changed the interpretation. And perhaps the website and the bylaws didn't get upgraded and updated in the pandemic. I am very open to being wrong. It just seems very bizarre that there is no forum given. Chairman Marinelli Jr. and Bob Bennett are sitting there, have their names screamed out through the speakers for the world to hear, and nothing happens. It's not like these guys were at home, they were asleep, they happened to miss it. Let's take a look at it Monday morning. They were there. Scores all over the board. Officials not making a. There was an official who tried to ask a concussed fighter who was laying and rolling around on the mat, what do you want to do? That is insane. And by the way, before you think I'm kicking Mark Smith, the official, maybe that's what Nevada told him to do. Everybody has a right to speak here, not just me. Mark Smith might go, Chael, believe it or not, when a fighter is fouled, the director, Bob Bennett, told me I'm supposed to ask him what he wants to do. I may, I'm not passing judgment on the referee. I'm telling you what happened. This happened on worldwide TV. And everybody has to speak up and everybody has to answer for it. But the executive director is oddly missing at all times. The chairman is oddly missing at all times. And there used to be a good old day, by the way. Somebody gave a 10-8 round. To Blahovich. Uh, okay. I heard the two guys gave a 10-8 round to Blahovich. Uh, okay. I, I have the foggiest idea who. There used to be a good old day where they named names. Judge Cecil People sees this. Judge Douglas Crosby sees this. Judge Saldamato. That score was so whack. It was so unexplainable mathematically that they just go 49-45 and the winner is. <laughs> they just skipped it. They didn't read anybody's names. I don't know who did it. For as big of a deal as Yawn beating Izzy was on Saturday night, there's no question what the most important story coming out of Saturday night was. And this is what I had to say about it right after the fights. Aljo versus Peter Yawn. I realize it's March, but this is the downplay of 2021. You have a fighter who was so egregious in cheating that he was disqualified. That his opponent was taken to the hospital and that he had his belt taken away. Allegedly, 
And in fairness, I do need to say allegedly, we don't know, but it was told to us that his licensed corner man told him to do it. You then have the third licensed official known as the referee who took three minutes to make a decision. He took three minutes when an athlete was down, could have been seeking medical attention, was believed to be concussed to the fact that a doctor came in the ring and told him to stay down and not stand up. And the referee is asking the fighter to make the decision if he wants to continue. All of a sudden, it is deemed as though it was an accident and blown off. And it was blown off for the simple reason that the fighter who cheated was winning. I happen to believe, by the way, before you think I'm the skunk at the garden party, I happen to believe that interpretation was right. I happen to think an error was just made, but I'm here to tell you there's only a couple of things you can't do. Don't bite the guy and don't kick the son of a bitch when he's down. So when a licensed athlete does it, allegedly because his licensed corner man told him and a licensed referee can't make the call, Literally takes three minutes to make the call. Why would we possibly ask Aljo if he wants to go on? Then there was a narrative going around of how should a title possibly change hands on disqualification? How should it change hands? If a champion could not be disqualified, what incentive would a champion ever have now or in the future to follow a rule? Do I really need to answer that question? Can the title change hands? And I will just tell you, this is inconsistent. This is wildly inconsistent. Okay, let me give you a hypothetical and a literal all at the same time. I'm going to change this story just a little bit, but it's an example you will understand. When Mike Tyson was getting his ass kicked by Evander Holyfield, now here's the hypothetical. Imagine Mike Tyson was the champion of the world, and this was a world championship fight. Mike Tyson's getting his ass kicked by Evander Holyfield. He gets so frustrated that he bites his ear off. And then we're going to say we shouldn't disqualify him. Or by the way, if we do disqualify him, we don't take the belt off. And guess what the commission did there? They brought him in and they took the license off the son of a bitch for 11 months. That's what they did. There's not very many things that you can't do. It's wildly inconsistent. By the way, Victor Ortiz was losing against Floyd Mayweather, lost his cool and headbutted Floyd. The commission brought him in and Pat Lundvall said, and I quote, what in the hell were you thinking? Now, the good old days of Nevada being ran with the extreme integrity of the great Pat Lundball or even the great Bill Brady, I realize these are the things in the past, but you had three licensed personnel tonight, a fighter who cheated, one of only two rules you can't do, allegedly, emphasis on that, a corner man who told him to do it, and ultimately a referee who couldn't make the decision to call the thing and wanted to turn to a fighter who's down who's laying down and rolling like this, and you got a referee trying to ask, hey, what do you want to do? Tell me what to do. Should I, should I let the fight keep going? This is insane. And you have the commission sitting there doing nothing about it. By the way, if I'm TJ Dillashaw, I ain't letting this go. And I don't have a whole lot of time, but I'm not letting it go. You're telling me, TJ Dillashaw, I don't get a fight for the title. Why? Oh, because I cheated? Okay. And you're saying that Peter Yawn has to fight for a title next and Why? Because he cheated? What? What? I don't get a title fight. He's guaranteed one. I don't get it because I cheated. I served a suspension. I had tremendous punishment. He's guaranteed one because he cheated? Somebody's got to explain this to me. And the reason I bring in the Mike Tyson example and the reason I bring in uh, the Victor Ortiz example is because it was believed that they were unsportsmanlike because they were losing the fight and therefore they had lost their cool, which by the way, is the right conclusion. However, it was reviewed. It was investigated. They spoke to people under oath. They brought the tape in. They watched it and rewatched it. It is believed with zero review by the Nevada State Athletic Commission that Peter Yawn did this on accident. And why? Because he was winning on the scorecards. You don't know what his mindset was. One of the incompetent judges actually had him losing the fight. I realize that that's fiction, and I realize that Peter Yan looks like a very sweet guy that threw a knee that he really didn't mean to do. I understand all of these things. 
What I'm talking about is perception being reality and the perception being that, oh, poor little Peter must have done this on absolute accident because he was winning. Meanwhile, Victor Ortiz is a scumbag because he was losing. Maybe it was an accidental headbutt. What business is it of yours? It's between him and the commission, but there would always be a review. Back in the day of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, I am telling you, back in the day of the brilliant and beautiful Pat Lundvall, Back in the day of the man filled with integrity in Bill Brady, that commission was ran so much differently. And they would have que- they would just simply ask questions. They would review things. They would talk to people under oath. And they would give them the benefit of the doubt. They would take them at their word, but they would swear them in first. Three people touched this fight. A licensed fighter, allegedly a cornerman, a licensed referee. They stumped the place up. Nothing happened. That is inconsistent. And that is my only claim. My only claim here is that is inconsistent. The press conferences happen. Dana said, look, we're going to run this thing back and we're going to do it as soon as possible. So it looks as though, it looks as though I'm standing on second base wearing a catcher's mitt. But if I'm TJ Dillashaw, I am not going to let that narrative go. And even if I come sh- come up short by Monday morning or by the new, uh, new news cycle that's going to break on ESPN with Errol and the bad guy Wednesday at 2 o'clock Eastern, I'm fighting until then. You're saying I cheated, I don't get a chance. You're saying he gets a chance and he cheated. I sent nobody to the hospital. He did. You're saying he didn't know it was illegal. Great, I'm saying I didn't know, uh, I didn't know it was illegal. That's been ruled for John Jones, who was on steroids. They ruled it was tainted. He didn't know. They had an investigation, though, and they ruled it. Where, is the, where are we looking into this one? Aljamain doesn't know where he is. He has to go to the emergency room. You, don't bite the son of a bitch, and don't kick him while he's down. Does it really matter if it was on accident? Heed this however you want. It is inconsistent. With the Nevada State Athletic Commission, it is inconsistent with combat sport. If I'm TJ Dillashaw, I am not accepting that. Not until I have to. And I don't have to accept it right now. I cheated. I was punished two years ago. I had a whole bunch of things taken one from me. He cheated tonight. His corner man allegedly, allegedly told him to cheat. These boys, I waited two years and had everything taken from me. These boys can wait two months. Me and Aljo got business to do. I'm going to make that argument. I don't know if it's going to stick. I don't know. I don't know how much I'm stretching right now. But I was stunned. I really was stunned at the inconsistency of the commission. I wouldn't let it go. And I do not think just because you perceive an athlete as winning and therefore you perceive his foul was not on purpose. Listen, it happened as somebody went to the ER. Do what you want with that. I'm not a prude on these things. But there is no part of that that in this sport or this history of the sport or any precedence that is set, that if you cheat and have your belt taken away, you, by golly, are promised a rematch. because I'm going to talk more about Jan and Sterling in a moment. But first, a word from Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive, tasty, daily nutritional beverage I've ever had. Guys, I live a pretty busy lifestyle, even during the pandemic. I'm grateful. MMA never really slowed down between the podcast, TV, work from my home studio and on the road, coaching, family life. It's been challenging to maintain healthy nutritional habits. And to be honest, I've never really been a fan of eating my vegetables. I know that's not what you want to hear from Uncle Chael, but it's true. This is where Athletic Greens has helped me and hopefully can help you too. It's a daily all-in-one superfood powder. One scoop contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotics, green superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet, increase our energy, our focus, and help with digestive and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. That's why it works for me. It's hard to remember to take, 
my daily vitamin and get enough veggies to keep old Uncle Chael up and running on all cylinders. Athletic Greens is my one-stop shop. It's simple, easy, and guys, it's delicious. For you athletes out there, this product is NFC certified for sport. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on the taste. Right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system and during these winter months, it's offering my audience only one free year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. If you visit my link today, you'll basically never need to buy vitamin D again. So whether you or a family member are looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and join athletes and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to optimal health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and get your one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. You'll basically never need to buy vitamin D again. People were weighing in on if Aljo should have accepted the championship. Now, that's a baffling question to ask. And if you find yourself answering that question, you should go stare at the man in the mirror and repeat, you are stupid. 25 times until you learn this about yourself. Should Aljo accept? He doesn't have a choice. Okay. Sterling taking the belt off and throwing it down does not make him unchampion. And if Peter Yan would have picked it up and grabbed it and thrown it over his shoulder, it wouldn't make him the champion. And if it did and nobody wants it, simply FedEx it to the studio where I'm at right now. I'll sign for the thing and I'll be the champion. Which, by the way, brings me to another point that I've heard people speak about. I've heard people speak about how would you possibly take a championship in that manner? You don't have a choice. Okay, I mean, just to start, if you want a literal answer to that, you don't have a choice. This is what the bylaws say, but that would be no different than anything else that we've done leading up to this evening. Prior to you seeing them in the octagon, they were backstage and they were having their hands wrapped and then signed off on by something known as the commission. You don't have a choice on that. And if you were to back up to the day before, you had a weigh-in process of which if anybody missed, there was a built-in remedy known as a fine of 10% that nobody has a choice over, okay? Now, if you wanted to have a different conversation of how would you like to have it, let's set championships aside because this is something that, by the way, the people that I'm hearing judge and the people I'm hearing speak on this, not only will never find themselves in a championship match, they didn't have the balls or the courage to even try. In all fairness, okay, in all fairness, the people that are weighing in on an opinion of should have Alger taken this, is that the right thing to do? Never even try. This isn't fellow fighters. This isn't guys who maybe weren't good enough or didn't get the right opportunity to, to go out there and compete for it. They were people that never did the sport in the first place that are sitting back and they're attempting to weigh in an opinion on this. So let's take the championship and let's just set it aside real fast. Let's talk about something else that you will understand, money. There are certain ways that you would like to become financially independent, right? And there's an order of those, starting with to have a great idea, take a risk, form a business, and go out there and make sure that you bring in more profits to overshadow your expenditures, right? I mean, that would be number one, most likely, but then you'd work your way down. You would have your least likely way, which would be an inheritance. Nobody wants to be rich on an inheritance, by example. Now, you also don't have a choice. If somebody gives you that and gives that, you don't have anybody to give it back to. It's an inheritance. They're now gone. I mean, you literally would not have a choice. The rules are built, but it's going to be different what you do with that money, right? You're not going to pull up VIP to the local fancy restaurant, peeling out $100 bills for the valet and go in. You're not going to go flash your money in some fancy car when somebody else gave it to you. It's just different. 
what you're going to do with that and how you're going to behave with that is going to be very, very different. If you were to win the lottery, that would also be down the list of ways that you would like to secure wealth. But if you were the lucky one that won the lottery, you're not giving the money back. There's a, You've never intended to give it back. There's a reason that you played it in the first place. Even if you thought it was a very small chance that you were going to get it, it's still yours. I mean, there's an order of ways you want to go. In this sport, you have four ways to win. Knockout, submission, decision, disqualification. There is no other way to win. And of those four, yes, they go in order. This would be your least. But it's still yours. Right? I mean, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing that you can do about it. It's not as though you then show up to your after party and you're in the same spirits and you're holding this belt up when everybody's chanting your name. It's not like, but you, you still have the belt. Still comes with an obligation. Obligation says, no, number one, I go fight the number one contender, which based on everything we've heard in this particular case with Aljamain Sterling, it's exactly what he plans to do. It's exactly what the organization plans on him doing. Okay, everybody's doing everything right. There's nothing to see here. But there's still attempts to be a judgment placed on Aljo that's never been done in sport before. And I'm not sure that people are aware that this very thing has been tested time and time again. 2012, Summer Olympic Games, All-Around Gymnastics Championship. Now, whoever wins the All-Around Gymnastics Championship is who is deemed by the fellow athletes as the greatest athletes of the games. And you will have one for men and one for, uh, for women. The media will tell you falsely that the greatest athlete in the world is the triathlete that wins the gold medal. None of the fellow athletes view the triathlete as the best. Every fellow athlete will view the All-Around Gymnastics Champion as the best athlete amongst us. Real accomplishment, right? But in 2012, the gal who won it, who was 14 years old and from China, was caught on video, video being done by NBC Universal that owned the rights to the game. She was caught on video accepting an illegal drug from her coach. Her coach was literally wearing a fanny pack. Do you guys remember those? He had a fanny pack on. He opened it up. He took out an illegal drug known as ibuprofen. It comes by a street name of Advil. And the overall gymnastic women champion, 14-year-old Chinese athlete, had one billionth of a trace of ibuprofen in her system, and they took her gold medal away. When they took her gold medal away, it elevated number two to number one. Number two was a fellow Chinese gymnast who was not only teammates and countrymen, but training partners and friends with the true gold medalist. They forced this girl onto the stand. They replayed the national anthem and they rehanded out the medals while she was in tears and trying to get off that stand because she simply did not belong there. She did not earn it. She did not win it. She had absolutely no problem that there was ibuprofen in her teammates' system. I share this with you because this is done time and time again. And whether the athlete wants it or not, it doesn't change the fact that it happened. And I'm speaking, I'm speaking from the standpoint of people that think that Aljo should not have accepted it. That is not how championships work. You don't get together and take a popular vote and that guy gets to be the champion. The commission oversees it. They have rules. They decide who wins and they decide who loses. If you have a disqualification in a match where the belt is on the line, the commission will already have a built-in remedy as to what happens with said belt. I've had many people suggest to me that that belt should have been vacated. Of all of the options you have, which is... Peter keeps it, Sterling gets it, or it goes vacated. Vacated is the worst. Vacated would be the worst option. This would go in line with people who are very short-sighted and says, should a belt be able to change hands via disqualification? If the belt didn't change hands via disqualification, what incentive would any champion ever have ever to follow the rules? I mean, do you see the problem? It's not as though you have to get a group of, of experts in here. We don't need a 12-foot chalkboard like they've got at NASA to work out different equations. This is very simple and very basic. You will then be left with, unfairly, but I will recognize the phenomenon that it's going to exist. You will be left with, could Sterling have continued? 
And that ultimately is where the decision will be made by the audience. If he could have continued, he then should have continued. And it was a cowardly acting play at best that he took a championship. I mean, that is the decision that largely people are attempting once they get through everything else and all of the talk and all of the dialogue, all the rhetoric and all of the ridiculousness, right? I mean, you don't have to be a very clear thinker to see what happened here. That is ultimately what they will be left with. And that is ultimately what they were, are attempting to judge. And if somebody played the system, are they therefore cowardly? Answer being, if they did, yes, they are cowardly. Are they? I realize uh, that's not what happened here, in my opinion. Would they be cowardly? Let me break that thing down a little bit. So you're telling me the other guy gets to cheat. In a sport where we don't have very many rules, he, he, he gets to do something that's against the very few rules that we have, but its effect possibly didn't stop the match. Possibly the other athlete could have continued. Is he, is he cowardly for not continuing, or would he be more foolish to go out and continue? The very first fighter summit that the UFC ever had, and I believe the year was 2009. I was at it. It was 2008. If I'm wrong, it was 2009. I was at it. Of all the things that happened, there was a thing going around the sport at that particular time, and I think it largely had to do with low blows. And guys getting up off the canvas while hurt, their five minutes go out, and they go out and continue. And there was a belief within the media that was being reported that if you stayed down or didn't continue after a low blow, you would be judged somehow by the organization negatively, which is what is encouraging and forcing fighters to get up off the canvas and go. And I mean, of everything that happened at that first ever fighter summit, I remember Dana White walking in the room and addressing this. And he said, hey guys, so we're perfectly clear. I never expect you to continue on, ever. If the other guy cheated, there's no part of me that will judge you. And he said, in addition to that, keep this stat in mind. And I bring to you the year of 2008 or 2009 because I would trust that this stat is no longer true here in 2021. But I remember very clearly Damon came out and said, and he had a great number, and he said of the 50 athletes who have gone down to an illegal blow and gotten up to continue, only one has won. Only one athlete who has been fouled has ever got up, pushed forward, and got victory. And the mere fact that Dana is the one that brought us the statistic was absolute evidence that Dana was not judging you. He was arming you with information that, hey, you might want to keep this in mind. Statistically speaking, hard enough as it is, let alone to come back from a foul. And I bring that because it, it is very relevant. You're not going to be judged, and you, and you can break this down as far as you want. You can decide what's cowardly or not. I mean, I you know make make sure I'm going to judge you back. You're attempting to judge a sport that you never attempted to do. So I mean, make sure if, if, if we're trying to judge bravery here, you start pointing a finger at somebody, you got three pointing back at yourself. Make sure that you understand that we can play this game all that we want. I think that what we all need to do, set this aside and wonder why for three minutes, an athlete who was later transported to the emergency room was left on the canvas being asked what he would like to do. Why do we care? What if Sterling said what I would really like to do is continue? What if he said that with his mouth? But his body language, in equally as powerful language as that that could be formed by his mouth, has him down. And a public entity has remained silent. Forgive me for jumping around here, but I just had to give you everything I've got on the fight. Allow me to focus again on Israel Adesanya and what the future holds for him. I'm a little bit curious on what Adesanya does next. I'd also be curious to hear your predictions. I would. 
And I think if you asked any basic thinker, what's next for Izzy Adesanya? Just where does your mind go by default? You look at, okay, he's the champion of 185, which just means who should the top contender at 85 be? By the way, all the top guys are busy. So you start to identify which match should be the number one contender's match. I agree with you, and if your mind defaults to that, you have a perfect functioning mind. Because that's the first step that you would go. You're probably going to come to the conclusion that one of the more interesting guys at 185 is Marvin Vittori. And you're probably also going to come to the conclusion that the hardest matchup right now at 185 is between Whitaker and Paulo Costa. Great. Again, you have a perfect functioning mind. I'm here to offer to you that I am not sure either Paulo Costa or Robert Whitaker could excite and interest Israel Adesanya. Israel Adesanya has always seemed to have something that makes him tick that's different. I think perhaps our greatest glimpse into that was him calling out Yoel Romero. That made no level of sense. That was from left field. And even Dana White told him, Yoel just lost. And Adesanya told Dana, and I'm changing the words, but roughly, I don't he might have lost and he might not be the guy, but I don't want I don't want to be punished for my success. I'm in a sport where I get to fight people. That's what we do. I want to fight him. And I don't think that I don't think the fact that I'm the champion should take away from my opportunity to do what it is I want to do. And Dana goes, I mean, you got it. Nobody else wants to fight Yoel Romero. Whether he the guy just lost or not, talking about Yoel, I can't get anybody to fight him. Fine, you want to fight? Great championship fight, Yoel. Remember that fight you just lost? Forget about it. You're fighting for the belt. I mean, it's one of those things, and nobody disagreed with it. None of us disagreed, but we got a glimpse into Adesanya's mind because when a champion calls for a guy that just lost, if that's all the information you have, you go, "Well, you got a champion that's looking for easy fights." No, 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 no. It's what Dana said. In Yoel Romero, you have a killer that nobody wants to fight. And with Adesanya, he didn't give a damn that he was putting a belt up. He didn't care that he's a skinny, tall kickboxer from New Zealand taking on an Olympic medalist in wrestling from Cuba. I don't like that guy. I want to fight him. I'll put it all in the line. We got a glimpse into who Adesanya is, though. And even when Adesanya got upset with Paulo Costa, if you'll recall that, as Paulo Costa was sitting in the front row, wearing a cool shirt. Remember the flashy shirt, but Adesanya made it part of the bit. I think he called it a yeah, Ricky Martin looking shirt. Remember he pointed that out. Now Costa's embarrassed. And now they got to go fight each other. But that was also a glimpse into Adesanya. So nobody wanted to fight Paulo Costa either. And it wasn't as though Adesanya was only going after the hardest possible fights, but that does seem to be one theme. Something new does seem to be a theme and something personal does seem to be a theme. So even if you look at the Blahovich fight, which satisfied none of those, it was an in-between to get Adesanya to Jones, which satisfied all of those requirements. I bring this to you because if Adesanya is to drop back down, and we as an audience are going to identify Paulo versus Whitaker as the hardest and most competitive fight, therefore worthy of the number one contendership, you still got to get Adesanya's opinion. Hey, Israel, are you interested in a rematch with one of these two guys? Both of those guys are straight-up studs. Neither of those matches with Adesanya were competitive. That's what happened. I do agree that Whitaker probably felt something and could make some adjustments. I do agree that wasn't the greatest version of Paulo Costa we've seen, and he could also come back and make some adjustments. Setting that aside, witnessing what happened, those fights were not competitive. So, would you have Israel's interest? Because if you didn't have Israel's interest, Israel's going to have to offer something else that's compelling. And at 185 right now, it might be a little bit hard. If is not looking for rematches, that would even eliminate by Kelvin Gatslam, who's on a major upswing. It would leave you with Vittori. It would leave you with Till. Those are great options, by the way. I think you have a number of great options. I just suggest for you, as the audience, before we attempt to identify and we attempt to say what should be the number one contendership, we should weigh in on what Adesanya wants. 
Because if Till and Vittori offers a parody, and that's important to Israel, and I don't know that it is, I'm, I'm asking a question right now. I'm not an answering it. The question I'm asking is, does parody matter to Adesanya? Does he mind going and doing the same thing that he's already done successfully again? Because it looks as though if you follow his career, there's a newness. And there also appears to be a way to piss Adesanya off. And I don't know that Robert Whitaker, who's never tried to, Paulo Acosta, who tries every day to, I don't know if they're going to succeed in offending Israel the right way when it's something Asanya's already done. So that's going to be an obstacle and a goal of Paulo Acosta and Whitaker if either of them would like to be in there with Adesanya again. you got to insult Adesanya the right way. You've got to interest him the right way. All right, great, no problem. But just make sure you put that when you're doing when you're meeting with your creative partners. Make sure that you have that as piece of it. It's also a potential leg up for Darren Till and Vittori. I don't know how important to Adesanya parody is. It strikes me as though it's important to him. I feel that Till and Vittori are in a lot better spot than the fans. And the media might lead you to believe. And that's now incumbent upon Till and or Vittori to take it from there. But that's my opinion. Okay, now I don't need to waste any time talking about Amanda Nunes and her win. Obviously, she's amazing. So let's just look right past it and focus on what's next for the double champ. The Venezuela vixen, Juliana Pena. Called for a fight with Amanda Nunes, which, by the way, do you have a better idea, right? And it's one of those interesting spots. And Chris Cyborg lived this first. But Chris Cyborg lived in a time when I'm going to be fighting whoever it is is willing to face me. And that was just kind of the had to way the way it had to go. And I can't really remember a time that Cyborg ever called anybody out. I, I vaguely remember Cyborg and Rhonda doing like a little back and forth. And I vaguely remember Rhonda saying, Yeah, sure. No, you you gotta come to 135. This is where I fight at. And that being the problem, the way and, and it went away. But I don't really remember Cyborg going after anybody else. Cyborg, you know, had the great moment with Gina Carano, but I don't remember if they went back and forth at each other, but that was one of those, those compelling fights where the audience really wanted to see it. Cause we really didn't know. And Amanda largely has to do that now with fight. Whoever is willing, but, but Juliana Pena is different where that's not just somebody that can fog a mirror and has raised their hand. She won the Ultimate Fighter, just by example. Toughest tournament in sport, and she won it. This is a meaningful opponent, and Juliana Pena was well on her way. Came to the Ultimate Fighter. She had, like, this nasty little stare, but it was captivating. I mean, I mean, I remember that making it all across the TV ways. Fox was, at that time, what ESPN is now. And I remember Fox, like, carrying just her walkouts of Juliana Pena, even more than they did... Her fights, there was this intensity. I bring that to you because Juliana calling out Amanda is a much different call-out than many other people we've had. Oh, and by the way, I definitely don't have a better idea. For a period of time, Cyborg lived it too. But Cyborg and Amanda, who's going to fight him? Who? Sorry, what? I'm sorry, repeat that again. What is your name? Okay, okay, I got it. And you've done this before. You have done that five times. Okay, great. Do you have a winning record? You do. Three and two, winning record. Hey, she's going to... Repeat that name. Repeat your name one time for me. She's going to fight. That's the way it used to work for Cyborg and Amanda. Oh, by the way, don't make them as main event. Yeah, I don't know this person's name. No, put them on the card somewhere. Great, go. It was one of these things where now you have Juliana Pena, and before you break down the X's and O's of do you think Juliana Pena can beat... Amanda, as amazing as Amanda looks right now, I'm talking about the other side of the story, which is having a willful opponent who has a winning background, 
And I don't mean a winning record, like they're batting 51 out of 49. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you have the ultimate fighter champion who was well on our... I want to see Juliana Pena was 8-0 and at a point. This is off the top of my head. I'm going back to about 2013. And then left the sport. Decided to go into motherhood for a little bit. Decided get back into it, get back into the sport. I only bring that to you because Juliana Pena was well on her way to a championship fight. That was all the talk and she was fast tracking and now she's back to revisit it, which by the way is now a tougher spot than she left it going back to 2013-ish. So full respect to Juliana Pena. And What's going to happen at 145 pounds is a question that I continually ask by you guys. And I read the comment section and I know that you've turned to me and I'm flattered that you turned to me, but I don't know. I don't know. At 145 with the women, we had a couple of clues. We had a clue with Megan Anderson going into the fight against Amanda Nunes, which was that that was Megan's Anderson last fight on her contract. I do not believe there has ever been somebody to contest a title who did not have a contract extension. I do not know that Megan Anderson was holding out. Perhaps she was. I'm saying I don't know. The other side of that would be that she was not offered an extension. And Megan Anderson specifically, to use Megan by example, but why that example is relevant is Megan Anderson is not someone that can go down to 135. She's a 145 pounder, but it's also as low as she can get. Very lean, focused, disciplined, Oh, she's six feet tall, right? I mean, it's, it's one of these things. That's the lowest weight class you can get to. And I bring that to you because if we're just looking at clues, we're just looking at clues and we're using Megan specifically, it would look as though perhaps 145 isn't going to be contested in the future, or at least not guaranteed to be. Joe Rogan said something interesting on the broadcast, which is he just asked his broadcasting partners, John Anik and Daniel Cormier, he goes, hey, what are the rankings at 145? And it was either Daniel or John weighed in and said, there are no rankings at 145. It's the only vision that doesn't have rankings. I did not know that. I also don't know where to go to get the rankings. And I don't say that to be funny to you, but I was unaware that 145 was not ranked, which surprised me. And then again, one of the commentating teams, and then you got Rogan, Anik, and Cormier speaking, and I can't, I, I just don't know which one said it. But it was said amongst that triangle that the reason that there was not rankings at 145 is because there are not enough athletes signed within the divisions to even fulfill the rankings, and the rankings, as I understand them, go to 15. So I don't know how many people are signed at 145, but if I was to work all this in conjunction together and assuming that this information that I have is accurate, it would mean we have less than 15 athletes. In fact, it would mean we have 14 or less. And if I was to name for you off the top of my head who we have at 145, I'd have a very hard time getting to six which would leave the conclusion that that is an open-ended sentence of, is 145 going to continue to be contested? I don't know. So if you start to look at 135, and you start to look at Juliana Pena, who, by the way, has spoken up, is the only one to speak up, is one of the few that have ever spoken up, and the one thing that the ones that have spoken up all have in common is they all got the fight. They all fought Amanda. I don't think you have to be Perry Mason to realize we're going to see the vixen and we're going to see the lioness, your witness. I want to close out today's show by talking about one of the biggest stories coming from Saturday night. And guys, am I ever excited about it? So guys, I've told you this, but Ali Abdelaziz and I, friends, talk to him every day. He has told me for years about Islam Makhlchev. And I've come back and I push back on him a couple of times. Just go, Ali, you represent him. He is your friend and he is your client, okay? I'm not terribly familiar with the guy. Now I'm going back a long time. I'm not terribly familiar with the guy. I know he's got an impressive record. Is he as good as you're telling me he is? Or do you just want me to go and tell everybody else how good he is? Because you're a good manager. Because Chael's got nothing to do with it. I don't care if you ever give him a piece or not. I'm filling you in on who to keep your eye out for. Now, this was years ago. But as we speed up, now we've got Islam. This guy's just flat amazing. I mean, he really is. I don't care that he just got Khabib vouching for, and I'm watching what he's going out there and doing. And by the way, a lot of people were were put off by his post-fight interview. In his post-fight interview, he said, 
I could have struck with the guy. It would have been more exciting, but I took the easier road. Just take him down, beat him that way. I loved it. I love that he admitted what he did. I love that he called it the easier road. I love that he told all you that think this is about excitement, shoved it right up everybody's ass. I thought it was fantastic, but one problem that Islam's going to have, okay, is at 155 pounds, which is the hardest division in MMA, period, period, it is log jammed at the top. And it's log jammed with stars. Tony Ferg, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, Charlie Olives, Michael Chandler, Dan Hooker, Paul Felder. You see the problem? It is absolutely log Justin Gaethje. It is log jammed with stars. And if Islam Makhlchev can beat them or not, or if he's better or not, is not the conversation for right now. He has to get on the docket with one of them. We just saw this with Charles Oliveira, right? Charles is a straight-up killer. We all knew it. We all got it. He won seven fights in a row. Unless one of those top guys will allow him in the ring with them, it's not the same. And finally, one of them did. Tony Ferguson said, yeah, come on in. Let's see how you do. And, but you saw the difference that it made in the way you perceive Charles Oliver. It's just a real thing. I'm telling you the obvious. I understand that I'm telling you the obvious. But when I talk with Ali, it's the same thing. Ali, who's Islam going to fight? Because the problem is, for a while, Ali was the only one that knew how good Islam is. Now the problem, he's like 16 and 1. Or tonight became 17 and 1. He's finishing guys. The problem is, which one of those top guys is going to sign off? And the top guys at 155, 155 is right on the ver. I mean, I'm half pissed off at him. I'm not all the way there yet, but I'm getting very close. We're hearing Connor versus Dustin. Great. If we do it, please put the title up on that. And by the way, why with all of the other top guys are we not getting more matches made? What is that? I mean, what is going on there behind the scenes that we're not getting these matches made? And I'll tell you guys how this is going to work. There is going to be a round robin going on, and it's happening right now, between Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira, and Justin Gaethje. I don't know what the story is. I could call Gaethje. I, I just never have. I don't know how to get a Charles Oliveira, in all fairness. I speak to Charles Oliveira through Gabriel Checo. I, I don't know him personally. I talked to Michael Chandler. I can tell you for sure, if you want the inside baseball, Chandler is the most willing of those guys. He'll take on either one. Okay, fine. Somebody's going to sign up for that match, but whoever the odd man out is, whoever decides to be the skunk of the pardon guardian that thinks they're too cool for school, I'll tell you how that's going to work. You're going to get offered Islam. i tell you right now, neither one of those guys wants to fight Islam. Not because they're scared of his skills, because they have star power and he doesn't. That's a real thing when it comes to negotiation. Your punishment, if you stick things up at the top, is you're going to get put with Islam. And then you're going to try to refuse it, you're going to try to deny it, and eventually Dana's going to go to the bully pulp and he's going to tell the world that you backed down from Islam. That's called fight promotion. Be real careful. Be real careful. But plan that into your mix. It's the, it's the way that it works. You get offered a fight, feel free to say no. The next fight you're going to get offered, you can't say no to. And it's not going to be as pleasant. And Islam's creeping up there. And Islam's one of these guys. The only thing that Islam needs is a name. That's why I'm throwing the Charles Oliveras at you. That's why I'm throwing the Tony Fergusons. I realize Poirier and Connor are busy. That's why I'm throwing the Chandlers and the Gaethje. The only thing Islam needs is a name. And I'm not suggesting for you that he can go out there and beat those top guys, or for sure is going to beat those top guys. They can all beat each other, right? 55 is so hard. Ah, oh, 55 is so impressive right now. But that's what the challenge is going to be. And I think that some of those top guys are pretty smart to this. I don't think that Chael's the only one, like you guys, that's done the detective work to see this guy's going to be the problem. I think they're going to push back as hard as they can, but somebody is going to have to do that job. We go back a year, the only guy willing to do that job was Kevin Lee, and Kevin Lee was even willing to fly to Russia to do it. Then he tore his ACL. There's only, there's only so many guys that have courage and guts. Kevin's one of them. But as you're turning down fights quietly at 155, positioning and maneuvering, and think that Khabib's going to come back, and you're going to be the one that's chosen to fight him, you're wrong, and you look like a fool, and that isn't going to happen. 
If you think the one that's going to maneuver in position and that you're going to get to go with a red panty night with Con you're wrong. It's not going to happen. That's going to be Dustin's fight. So your options are fairly limited. You play it however you want. But the way that this sport works is the only thing that Islam needs is a name. And right now, you top guys know who you are and you have a name. And as you think you're shuffling the deck and going to end up somewhere else, just be careful. I'm not threatening you. All you top guys can be, you can all beat one another. I understand that. It's no disrespect. I'm just sharing with you. If you're looking for powerful names, there's one guy with powerful skills named Islam. He doesn't have the powerful name. He's got a powerful record. He's got a powerful guy in Khabib vouching for him. He's got a powerful manager in Ali. He's got a powerful motor named Dana. He's coming after one of you. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. If you enjoyed the show, feel free to leave a review of your welcome on Apple Podcasts. Or if you've got friends just getting into MMA, do me a favor, do them a favor, tell them about the podcast. Thank you so much. We will be right back here on Friday. Until then, I am Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. <laughs>